Welcome to the next episode of Morgan the Ask For Podcast. And again, we are joined by our resident NFL expert, uh, Trevor Voss. We're going to talk about uh, week one review and then kind of preview week two. I think we're going to try to do this every week, uh, Trevor. But to start this week, we're going to talk with the big news of the day. The Big Ten is back uh, playing football. They have changed their mind, reversed course, and they're all 14 teams are playing. I'm actually a little surprised at that. I kind of thought maybe like Rutgers or, or somebody, and I had heard Michigan was kind of a, a state that might not uh, be able to play. But overall, you know, I'm not a fan of a Big Ten team, but that is great for college football. I'm excited. Saturdays will be more fun to watch. There'll be more games to watch starting October 24th. Yeah, the Big Ten announced today that uh, they are going to play football. They were the, I think they were the first conference, major five, to announce that they were not going to play. Uh, the Pac-12 uh, followed along. But yeah, it, it's good to see the Big Ten back. Um, I am a little surprised that Michigan, the, the teams in Michigan are playing, and then, like you said, Rutgers and, and Maryland. But uh, sounds like it's going to be an eight-game schedule where they're going to have a little wiggle room before the Big Ten Championship. I, th I think the Big Ten Championship will be on December 19th. And then the college selection show is December 20th, which le there's still enough time, as we've seen now with all these sports, that if some Big Ten teams have to have a week or two off because of so many COVID tests, there's time to uh, – I think the selection committee could push the – uh, the show back a couple weeks if they had to. Yeah, that's what I know. The Big 12 is scheduled for the 12th right now, uh, but you know they left it open for the 19th as well, so they could move it back if needed. Um, the Big 10 is having uh, the strictest health things: 21 days if you test positive, and then like I think a 5% of your team gets it, you're done. Uh, so I expect some teams not being able to play from week to week. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different numbers that I saw in an article or multiple articles that we can't spend all night talking about. But if you get on ESPN or if you uh, do a Google search, you'll see it. But there's 5%, 7%, 2.5%, all these different numbers. Uh, but it's just good to have the Big Ten back. They're uh, one of the major conferences and obviously college football. Uh, I don't think the Pac-12 is going to play this fall. No, and I think some of the, the Pac-12 has got some bigger issues, um, mainly in the forest fires right now. I mean, I, I think that is a real issue for several of their schools. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, uh, from what I read today, right now, just with the health mandates out there, Oregon and California cannot have practice. It's just they can't do it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't see any of the Pac-12 plays this fall. Uh, they talked about the spring uh, schedule, which is basically starting in January or February, and I don't see that working either. Well, I shouldn't say it, it, it couldn't, but it doesn't seem likely. So I, I think the Pac-12 is going to sit this season out and probably come back next fall. Uh, what kind of damage that does to their conference, to those teams, I, I don't know. Uh, some people think it'll be bad for recruiting. Well, the talk but, of the Big 12, the two Arizona schools want to come to the Big 12. Oh, do they? Yeah, that's okay. 
because they're tired of dealing with California. <laughs> I don't blame them. Uh, and the Big 12 could use it. That, that would be good. I'd, I'd be all for it. Uh, yeah, as far as those West Coast teams, I mean, California, Oregon, and Washington, it'd be tough to see any of those teams playing this fall. Well, especially with, you know, the fires right now, Seattle, they played in Seattle baseball, and they closed the dome and everything, and it still was bad in there, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really bad. All three of those states. There's uh, there was wildfires here in Colorado for a long time. We got some snow a couple weeks ago. That kind of helped with things. But yeah, there's it's tough to see the pack uh, pack ten playing this fall, right? Or any time before next fall, I should say. All right. Well, that's enough college talk on this uh, episode. Maybe we can do that another another time. Like you said, we could talk uh, college football for days if we wanted to, and that'd be great. All right, so let's uh, kind of go uh, to the NFL opening weekend. No big controversies that I that I hear. No, you know, COVID wasn't restricting anything so far. Some uh, teams had fans, most did not. Uh, so over TV and everything, you know, I think overall it was pretty good. I watched the Chiefs game for the most part, but that's really the only game I watched over the weekend. I heard the Saints-Bucks game, the pumped-in sound, and then the TV sound kind of made it sound a little weird. Uh, but overall, glad football's back. And uh, what did you think this week, Trevor? I thought it was a good weekend. Uh, it's good to have football back. Back in March, April, May, uh, I think we did some of these podcasts. And at that point, we were doing fast food uh, brackets and things like that. So, uh we, we didn't know if we were going to have football this fall or any other sport. Uh, so it, it's good that it's back. I thought I thought most of the games were pretty good. I don't have the uh, NFL Sunday ticket anymore, so I just have the two local games on Fox and CBS. But, you know, with YouTube and everything else on the Internet, you can find a lot of highlights and pick up a lot of information from the games, even if you don't get a watch of ball. So uh, as far as the negatives go, I mean – other than just limited practices and some teams looking really bad. Uh, other than that, I thought it was a good weekend for the NFL. Right. So I've got nine games here kind of to touch on. We're not going to go over every game all, all the time, but just nine games that, I, that, you know, some interesting headlines or whatever. But the Cardinals over San Francisco, you know, obviously the defending NFC champs uh, expect to do big things again this year. George Kittle gets hurt. I, mean, I don't think it's very bad, but he, he didn't play the rest of the game after that. Uh, and, you know, maybe Arizona's getting a little bit better. Kyler Murray looked really, really good in his second year um, under Cliff Kingsbury. Maybe, you know, he learned that first year in the NFL. You know, maybe Arizona is a team that is rising right now. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of people that had Arizona as a sleeper team this year. Uh, Kyler Murray looked really good. He wondered if the 49ers were going to have a little Super Bowl hangover. And they've had a lot of injuries at wide receiver. Uh, so that that definitely cost them. George Kittle got dinged up in the game. I think he missed the second half. It sounds like he's going to play uh, this next week at the Jets. And just speaking of injuries, uh, Richard Sherman is going to be out for a few weeks. They're going to let him – sounds like he's banged up a little bit. But what's interesting is this year is NFL teams have an unlimited amount of IR spots put players on uh, a shortened IR and bring them back. 
So for older players like a Richard Sherman, even if he's digged up a little bit, they can throw him on there for two weeks, let him get held up, and then bring him back to the season. Well, that's good. And 49ers also uh, signed Mohamed Sanu, wide receiver, that was cut by the Patriots earlier this year. Uh, he reunites with Shanahan, who was the offensive coordinator when they were both in Atlanta. So it'll be interesting to see if he can revitalize his career a little bit. They, they definitely need uh, help the wide receiver. But one thing I did want to talk about was San Francisco. I was kind of looking at their schedule. So they lost to Arizona week one. Their next two games are at the Jets and at the Giants. So both games in New York at the same stadium. I don't know if they're going to stay out there both weeks. I did hear. I was listening to this. They cannot. There's new rules. They cannot stay there. So they have to come back. In normal years, I'm pretty sure they would have stayed, but they cannot stay there because of – Is that COVID I, rule, I, I would assume? I think it's NFL, but I think it has to do with COVID. They don't want them staying anywhere for very long. Right. That makes sense. And I was wondering about that. Those are two games that they should win. Uh, but back-to-back trips, East Coast, you know, we'll see if they can. But they should win both those games. And then their week four matchup is a home versus Philadelphia, who has a really bad offensive line. We'll talk about that a little bit later. They lost to the, the football team. And then they got Miami at home. But then after that, uh, the 49ers have a really tough five-week stretch. They got the Rams at home, who looked good against the Cowboys. Then they're at New England, at Seattle, at home versus Green Bay, and then at the Saints. So the 49ers have to take advantage of uh, these first four or five weeks of their schedule. Otherwise, they could be in trouble with just the playoffs, potentially. Absolutely. Speaking of the Rams, let's move on to the next game. The Rams over Dallas. You know, opened up the beautiful stadium. Going to host the Super Bowl in a couple of years. Going to host national football champion. It's going to host everything. Yeah. Uh, I think the Olympics coming up. I mean, just everything. And they're revitalizing that whole area. Uh, Stan Kroenke, uh, one of the richest people in, in the world, is in charge of that. Um, but they look good over Dallas. They did. Um, I think we talked a week or two ago. I was a little bit down on the Rams. So I might have been wrong on that one. That was a little bit high on the Cowboys. So I might be up for two uh, on, the, on those two teams. It's early, but we'll see. Uh, the, Cow- or the Rams news team did look good. And as far as the Cowboys go, the Cowboys actually had a bunch of injuries after that game or during that game. Uh, Blake Jarwin, their tight end, he tore his ACL. He's out for the year. Mike Vandrosh, their starting linebacker, fracture his collarbone. He's out six to eight weeks. And then Sean Lee, their linebacker, that's been there for a very long time. He's been injured a lot over the years, but he's out six weeks as well. So they're out three starters. They lost Travis, Travis Fredericks before the season. They're starting center. Um, I think we talked a week or two ago, I, I kind of was buying into the Cowboys. But after this game, with all the injuries, it's, that's why I've had two bad takes right off the season. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, and then, uh, you know, obviously my favorite team, the Chicago Bears, with a big comeback win uh, over the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, Trubisky didn't look good for three quarters, but then looked really good in the fourth quarter. Um, if I'm Pat Patricia and the Lions, Pat Patricia's got to be squarely on the hot seat at any time here, I believe. I mean, Yeah, I'd say he's number one on the hot seat 
as far as NFL coaches go, you could put Adam Gase up there at the Jets. But, I mean, those two are uh, probably the top two. Uh, the Lions should have won that game in a typical Lion fashion. They gave it away. Uh, good for Trubisky. I think he had three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So he was uh, pulling out some MVP stuff there late. Um, and the Bears actually have a favorable schedule starting out early, too. I'm pulling it up right now. Giants next week. I know that. Giants next week, which I actually think the Giants are going to be a tough team the second half of the season. But uh, Monday night versus the Steelers, that was one of the worst offensive line performances I've ever seen from an NFL team ever. Saquon Barkley was getting tackled five yards behind the line of scrimmage, and I think the, the Bears defense will be able to take advantage of that. But after week two, they, they're at Atlanta and then home versus Indianapolis. So the, there's a there's a realistic chance that they could start out 4-0, which would be big for Trubisky. Yeah, that's – you know, everybody was saying they needed to pull Trubisky and stuff, but if you pulled him in the first game, you can never, ever go back to him. Yeah, yeah you can't put him back in. So they stuck with him. He pulled it out in the fourth. Uh, they have a favorable schedule in the next few weeks, so we'll, we'll see how he does. All right, and then I think another uh, surprising one for me, uh, Jacksonville over Indianapolis. Yeah, the Jaguars, uh, the number one overall pick next year doesn't – maybe not. We'll see. Uh, Gardner Minshew went 19 for 20, three touchdowns. And for a team that's trading away all their players, releasing them uh, from a team that was in the AFC Championship game, was it three years ago? Not very long ago, just a three, few years ago. Whatever it was, three years ago, I think, versus the Patriots. Uh, most of those players are gone. I mean, you have to wonder if – if Gardner Minshew is the franchise quarterback that they that they need, uh, he had he's a good rookie season. He's a different cat. Yeah, he's he's got the confidence. He's he's. You know, a I, I watched player. him play. Iowa State played him, you know, in a bowl game down in San Antonio, and he's a different cat. But he's good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's definitely a different cat. He uh, he's got some swagger to him. Uh, but it, you know, for example, if he I don't know if he goes out and throws thirty five touchdowns and. 14 picks. I mean, do they draft a quarterback or do they just build around him? I, I don't know if he's ever going to be, you know, a Pro Bowl guy or anything, but I, I don't – I think you could do worse. Yeah, maybe this is a guy that uh, – just say, for example, if the Jags do end up with the first pick overall and they take Trevor Lawrence, uh, maybe the Bears and Jags make another trade for quarterback. Yeah. There you or, go. Or, you know, other teams. Well, you can better. trade the number one pick and just – get a whole bunch of picks or you know there you go <laughs> one of the two all right let's go to the washington football team which is still really weird to say yeah. uh over the eagles football team uh, i love the name actually it's, it's that's what there's of, jokes that they started off one or no they need to leave it it it, it started it, it sounded funny but it, it started to stick um there were some eagles fans on online that were a little bit worried about this game because uh, they knew their offensive line was in trouble and the red or the Washington football team had eight sacks in the game. And the record for sacks in the season is by the 84 Bears, and they had 72, which is about, I think it's about four and a half a game. You need to get that. So they're, uh, Washington's off to a good start. I'm not saying they're going to get that. It's early, but through one week of the season, that defensive line and that front seven is looking pretty good. Well, they've, they've got a good D line. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Their D line is really good. High draft picks, Chase Young, 
you know, a lot of people said he's the best player in the draft. You know, he was never going to go number one. Right. But, uh, you know, because he's not the quarterback and stuff like that. But a lot of people said he was the best player, and he played well on Sunday. He did, yeah. I think he had either one sack and a forced fumble or one and a half sacks and a forced fumble. But, you know, as a team, they had eight. You got Ryan Kerrigan, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat. Uh, I, I don't know if Dwayne Haskins is the guy at quarterback. But as long as he plays decent, they're going to be a tough out every week. Yeah, I agree. All right, now let's go to the NFC South. Uh, the New Orleans Saints over Tom Brady's Buccaneers. Yeah, my Bucks. They uh, yeah. You, this was another one that didn't go your way, Trev. Uh, they they look good on the first drive. I uh, on the first drive of the game, they marched down the field. Tom Brady had a rushing touchdown. I felt pretty good after that, and then it was all downhill from there. So. Now, this is just me from an outside perspective. I think they'll be okay. <laughs> I really do. Uh, it was game one. The Saints aren't bad. I mean, it's not like they're playing the worst team in the NFL. Um, the Saints are going to be there at the end, too. Um, I, I would expect both of them to get in the playoffs. And I think everybody just needs to temper their expectations. And he's in a new spot. You know, Gronkowski didn't look himself. But give them four or five games, I think they'll be okay. I agree with you. I, I think it's going to be four, five, six games into this, you know, and, and then we'll really know what they are. Uh, it's going to take a little time. Uh, speaking of the Saints, Michael Thomas, he has not high ankle injury, so he's going to be out four to six weeks, they're saying. So for any fantasy owners out there, uh, make sure you got a good backup to him. But yeah, I, I think for Tom Brady, it's going to take a few weeks. Bruce Arians called him out publicly which was a little surprising. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Tom Brady handles that. I, I don't know if you saw any of that or read any of it, but um, he basically blamed both interceptions on Tom Brady and said that specifically in interviews. So Tom Brady's used to being called out by Belichick, but now that he's working with Bruce Arians, who doesn't have as much uh, credentials as Belichick does, it'll, We'll see if that causes any friction or not in the locker room. I don't think it will, but if it goes on, you know, for multiple weeks, it might. Yeah. All right, well, let's go to on to the next game here. The Chiefs over the Texans. I don't think anybody's surprised at how the Chiefs look, but I am a little surprised that the Texans didn't look a little better. The Texans have a new offense coordinator. Uh, they traded away DeAndre Hopkins. They weren't going to be able to pay him. Uh, the Chiefs look like the Chiefs do with Bashman Holmes, uh, Andy Reid, Kelsey Hill, all those guys, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, their new they running look back. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know we're going to talk about a few week two two games. Uh, I'm trying to pull that up right now. The Chiefs are at the Chargers this week, and they're an eight-and-a-half point favorite on the road. I'll load up on the Chiefs all day on that one. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think these teams that have these established quarterbacks, coaches – these rosters that have been together a little while, I think those are the teams that bet on early. So, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs look like, you know. Absolutely. All right, let's go. Uh, Patriots uh, beat the Dolphins, and the Patriots look good. Cam Newton looked good. Uh, you know, everybody was wondering how the, the offense would change and everything, and, and they went to uh, Cam's strength, running the football and then throwing when needed. Yeah, they – we talked – 
I think it was either before the draft or after the draft. We we're talking about some of the free agents out there. You call you called this one. Well, I I think what we said was it would be a weird fit, it, because could you imagine a year ago Bill Belichick and Cam Newton working together? It just seems weird. But they're making it happen. Uh, and people forget Josh McDaniel picked Tim Tebow in the first round. Right. So he saw something in Tebow, and and I would say Cam Newton's a lot like Tebow better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that same idea where he's a big guy, he's going to run the football and then throw it, you know. But you have to have the run game with him to, for him to be successful. He can't sit in the pocket and throw it every down. Yeah. That's not how he's going to win the football game for you. Okay, go ahead. So, yeah, Patriots-Dolphins, uh, Cam looked pretty good. Um, we, we talked before, either after draft, whenever it was, that we weren't sure if if Cam was going to be a fit with Bill Belichick. But so far, it looks, to, looks like they're going to work. Cam had two rushing touchdowns. Uh, and with Bill Belichick, I mean, they might compete for another uh, division title again this year. It looks to me that way. It's, you know, right now, the the Patriots, you know, it's hard to bet against the Patriots. They look decent, you know, and for one year, can Cam Newton do it? Maybe. Yeah, as long as he stays healthy. I I mean, he's got the great coaching staff there. Uh, They don't have a lot of weapons. uh, So that kind of brings them into the, the trade rumors that are going on right now. Uh, the Patriots are actually rumored to be shopping uh, Stephen Gilmore, their defensive back, because uh, he wants to be paid like one of the highest paid DBs in the league. Uh, and they need receiver help. So that would bring you to uh, Odell Beckham Jr., who's on the trade block, rumoredly, or your guy Allen Robinson in Chicago. Yeah, he had a – he was in the press conference today or, or yesterday – what, I didn't even hear. What did he say? Did he say he wants out? I mean, that's the rumor. Uh, what one? Allen Robinson? Yeah. He, so he met with uh, team officials, it sounds like, and they're going to try to get a deal worked out. But I think what's going on is they're going to try to get a deal worked, but they're also going to try to look at trading him as well. They're, they're giving him the option of both. But they're going to probably try to keep it on the keep it on the down low, so to speak but they're, they're giving him both options. They'll try to work out the deal, but if they can find a trade partner, you know, they're going to look at both options. Like, you know, like most teams do with any player. Right. Yeah. Every, everybody has a price or whatever. I mean, just whatever you want to say there, they're mm-hmm. everybody's looking to make their team a little bit better or save cap room or whatever each team individually needs. Right. All right. And kind of the last game we're going to talk about today, uh, the Titans over the Broncos. Last second field goal win for the Titans uh, after missing four kicks earlier in the year. <laughs> yeah, Guskowski, uh, the great kicker for the Patriots. Lo and behold, they let him go. He goes to another team and he can't perform like a lot of Patriot players, <laughs> it seems like. Uh, I actually fell asleep before the end of that game, but I heard that uh, there was a little time management uh, questions going on with Vic Fangio. Uh, he didn't use his timeouts like some people thought he should have. And I, I don't know if you stayed up for the end of the game. Or I, not. I didn't watch it. Uh, I heard the same thing, just like Matt Campbell's getting uh, ripped 
uh, by Iowa State people here for not using the timeouts as well. Well, Matt Campbell's I thought was more uh, – were you talking toward the end of the fourth there? Yeah. I thought that was more of him telling his team that you quit, so we're just whatever. Yeah. You, you didn't show up, so you don't deserve the timeouts. Just, yeah, I, I agree. I, the game was over. A whole yeah. bunch of stuff would have had to happen. It hadn't happened all game. You shouldn't even be in that position against that team. So, yeah, I, I thought Matt Campbell's, at least in that uh, situation, I thought it was a little bit different. I thought he was sending the message to his team that nobody showed up. So, you know, use whatever words you want, but, you know, we're not going to wait till the last second here to try and make something happen. Yeah, correct. Uh, as far as the Broncos game went, um, I, I thought the Broncos would win that game actually. But with the shortened offseason, you know, Drew Locke, I think it was his sixth start of his career. They're missing Von Miller. Uh, Cortland Sutton wasn't playing. He was probably one of the more underrated, underrated players in the league, in my opinion. He's got a lot of Steve Smith Sr. in him, really good blocking wide receiver. So they had, they had a lot of young players playing. Uh, but, yeah, the Titans come in. Uh, they go to 1-0, and then I think the Titans have the Jaguars next year or next week, I should say. So week two, Jags and Titans, both teams undefeated through week one. Yeah. So one of those teams is going to be 2-0 and after next week. <laughs> All right. Uh, give me your, your couple top games for next week. Uh, moving on to week two here. Yeah, we'll, we'll just talk about a few. Uh, we may as well start with tomorrow's night's game, uh, the Bengals at the Browns. This is a must-win game for the Browns. They can't go 0-2 with Baker Mayfield in his third year when he's got all this pressure on him. Uh, get, I, I didn't get to see the game last week. I saw some highlights. And I got on the Browns uh, forums, and it sounds like what they're saying is Baker's throwing rocket balls. Every single pass is just a laser. There's no touch on him. His accuracy's off, and then Odell Beckham Jr. is just quitting on plays, and his body language is bad. So this, this really is a must-win for the Browns. Uh, if, if they go to 0-2 and drop it fourth place in that division, it's, it's going to be bad news for them. It, it'll be a long uphill climb for them to, to really come back from an 0-2 deficit start the season. I agree. Uh, moving on, your Bears play the Giants. Bears are at home. That's a game they should win. We'll see what happens, but if the Bears can go off to a 2-0 start, that'll be a – a good, a good start to, for Trubisky. They need it. We need, yeah. we need to get back to the playoffs. and Right. And Ryan Pace's job might be on the line. Uh, so they, this, is, this is big for him. If they can get off to 2-0, that'll, that'll be a good start. Uh, Falcons and Cowboys, both teams are 0-1. Uh, if, if the Cowboys start off 0-2 with a new coach, that'll be a big headline. Uh, people in Texas will be going crazy. Packers have the Lions at home. I think the Packers take that one. They get to two and zero. I wasn't so sure on the Packers this year, but after they, week they one, looked Aaron, good. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers came out and lit it up. So I, I expect them to beat the Lions. Uh, Vikings at Colts. Both teams on one. So obviously one of these teams is going to be uh, winless after this week. Big game for for both teams. There's more pressure on the Vikings with Kirk Cousins. I would say in that one. Moving down the line, up oh, Panthers at Bucks. Both teams again looking for their first win. If the Bucks start out zero and two, 
with Tom Brady. Uh, that That's going to be a rough start for them. Uh, I, I would say the only good thing that they have going, if that happens, is that there are seven teams in each conference that make the playoffs now. Right. So you can go seven and nine or eight and eight and still make the playoffs more realistically than you could in the past. So that's the one good thing that, well, all teams have going for them. Uh, let's see. Football team at Cardinals. Two undefeated teams. Right. I would, I would expect the Cardinals here. Would you? I would too. Uh, but the Cardinals' offensive line is not the greatest, at least not that we've seen yet. Um, and the football team had eight sacks last week. So we'll see about Yeah, I'd expect the Cardinals to take that one. Uh, Chiefs at Chargers. And I think we talked about this earlier, but that's a spread that I'm going to bet the Chiefs to cover on. Yeah. They're an eight and a half point favorite. I'm going to take them. Uh, to cover that because it's just Tyrod Taylor. I, I don't know how many points you're going to get out of him as your starting quarterback, you know, 14 to 20. Uh, Ravens at the Texans. Ravens are a seven-point favorite. I kind of like that one as well. Uh, it'd be tough to see the Texans starting out 0-2, but the Ravens are just such a, a complete team. Um, I think I would take them at uh, minus seven. The only thing that has me a little hesitant on that is they're on the road. But I think I'd still take them. Patriots at the Seahawks. They're a four-point underdog. I think for the first time in like 60 games, the Patriots are an underdog. So uh, we'll see what happens with that one. But I, I would expect the Seahawks to win that one. Uh, and then uh, Saints at Raiders, Raiders' new stadium. That game, I'm more excited to see the Raiders' new stadium than anything <laughs> rather than the team. So, um yeah, it, it's good to have football back. I mean, there's some good matchups. Uh, week three looks good, too, and week four. So we're going to have plenty to talk about as far as football goes. Absolutely. And now let's kind of finish up here with, uh, you know, maybe the biggest interest of the week for us uh, as friends here and then just as, as golfers in general, the U.S. Open at Wingfoot in New York. Um, there, I've seen things where the superintendent's predicting like six, seven, eight over par is going to win it. I don't know if I will like watching that, but if that does hold true, it will be fun to watch those guys struggle to make par. Yeah, the uh, superintendent said I think six to eight over is his prediction to win it. They had the uh, U.S. Open there in 1974. It was called the Massacre at Wingfoot. Uh, in the first round, nobody uh, – ever the whole field shot over par. Nobody shot even or under par in 1974 on the first round and then 13 over made the cut. <laughs> so they're, they're looking for that again. Um, I think it was, it was Hale Irwin. Yeah. He won at uh, seven over for the U S open in 1974. So you start looking at uh, some of the odds. Dustin Johnson's obviously the favorite. He's at eight to one. You got, I just Andrew don't Shaw. know how he can win again. I mean, that's just, just, yeah. Odd. I mean, if he wins this week, it's going to be a Tiger-like stretch that he's had. Yeah. Because he's won two times in three weeks. Is that right? Or, yeah. Or three times, I should say. Yep. And then, you know, Xander Shoffley, in his last three U.S. Opens, I think he's finished sixth, fifth, and his second. So Xander's 14-1. to one. That's a guy I'd look to bet on. Um, you start moving down the line a little bit to the 30-1 to one guys, the 50-1. to one. Tony Finau, 30 to 1. 
I think eventually he's going to get his. He's always hanging around there. Uh, Patrick Reed, 33 to 1. I always like Captain America. You know, he's not scared of a – he doesn't let much get to him. No, I mean, if it, it if it becomes 7, 8 over par, I, actually I, I like his chances a little more than others because mentally he's tough enough to handle that. I mean, yeah, I I mean, he just doesn't guys, care. Some of those guys just mentally cannot handle it. Right. And uh, I was watching uh, the Golf Channel before we got on, and they were talking about some of the younger guys might – they might get rattled because par and bogey are actually going to be really good scores this week. Right, and they're not used yeah. to that at all. Right, but then another guy said, well, there's so many good young players right now that, yeah, some of them might get rattled, but there's going to be a handful of other young players that don't really care. They're going to be like, yeah, okay, I can go out and shoot even one, two over, and I'll be in the top five after day one. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, move down the line a little bit to the, the higher odds. Ricky Fowler's 50 to one, and he hasn't been playing very good lately. I, I don't know how often you're going to find Ricky at 50 to one. Not so that, that, yeah, that's a guy I'd be, you know, I'd probably throw a little money on. Um, Matthew Wolf, a young player, 66 to one. That's intriguing. Uh, last year's winner, Gary Woodland, he's 70 to one. And I know his game hasn't been uh, real great lately, but, you know, for 70 to one, you're getting pretty good odds there. And old Phil Mickelson could be his last U.S. Open ever, is what the guys on the Golf Channel were saying. He's 80 to 1, 80 to 90 to 1, depending on what side. I just don't, I, you know, maybe, I just don't know how he hits it accurate enough to stay in the fairways. Yeah, he's, I don't even know his age right now. I think they said earlier, I can't remember. He's, he's obviously old. Uh, he's 50. Is he 50 now officially on the dot? Yeah, because he could, he went and played in that one senior tour and won. That's right. That's right. Okay. So, yeah, he's 50. I mean, he's going to have to. Yeah, this is where he, he uh, hit it into the tent and made double bogey when he just needed bogey to win or tie and then actually par to win it. Right. That was a PGA championship, wasn't it? Yes. Was at this course. No, I think yeah. it was the Open. It was the Open, I'm pretty sure. It might have been the Open. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, a guy like Phil, it's – it's tempting to take him at 80 or 90 to one. Just put two bucks on it. What the heck? Well, yeah, because people like him. He's a fan favorite. Uh, but this is probably his last, really his last chance at it. Um, it it'll be interesting to see. They, they talked about uh, number 12 there at Wingfoot. It's a like a 640-yard par five. But to, to reach the fairway from the back tees, you have to hit it 260 in the air. They're going to be pros. So for most, well, uh, and we were talking, I was talking to uh, Brett and Mike Foster, I think last night. And for most young guys nowadays, that's not a problem. But then Mike Foster brought up a good, good point in saying, yeah, that it won't be, but it's going to take three wood out of the bag for a lot of guys. Yeah, they're so going to have, they're going to have to hit driver on 12. And, and most anymore, a lot of, par fives are three woods for them. They don't have to hit their driver. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you had, you had to carry it 260 to even make the fairway. And they're talking this, this rough's going to be, you know, close to eight inches to a foot deep. Um, uh, one thing I heard is 
you won't have fans trampling it down. So sometimes you get lucky by or fans have trampled it down so you get a decent lie. Well, now it's mm-hmm. going to be buried because no one's going to be there. Exactly. And then without any fans, on top of that, uh, you only have so many spotters every hole. You don't have these hundreds of fans lined the fairways where if you hit it toward the right or hit it toward the left, they find your ball for you. So right. there, there's probably going to be a few players that end up with a lost ball or one that they can't, I mean, that they can't find. That, I'm, I'm sure that'll happen this weekend. All right. Well, let's uh, kind of wrap this up. Anything else? Any news uh, out of Colorado or anything? Trev? No, not out of Colorado. Just happy to have basically all the sports back. Uh, I know we got Lakers and, well, Denver. So, how, about, uh, how about that? You know, the NBA championships, that was a surprise, I guess. But uh, um, no, other than that, just I'm happy to have Big Ten football back. Happy that most of the sports are playing and that sports are trying to play. Uh, they don't have all the answers, but they're trying, and we'll, we'll figure it out as we go and uh, give people something to, to do other than just staring at a wall every day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks again, Trevor. We'll talk to you next week. And, uh, you know, enjoy your time in Colorado. And you got to travel yet for work or not yet? We can travel a little bit. We, we got to travel and then do a couple weeks of quarantine and, you know, off and on. So we're, we're getting back into it. All righty. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Yep. Have a good one, Morgan. Thank you for listening to Morgan Yaspor Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please click the like button. And if you want to hear more from the podcast, please subscribe to the Morgan Yaspor Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.